You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Forever. Dog. What a stupid thing to think Now he could biting off a brain now I myself am on the brain I used to want to be a real man What's up, Freebies? What's up, Diamond Dogs? What's up, Athletic Gerbils? Can't believe I made myself have to do that every time now, but I feel weird if I don't. Um, what's up, everybody? Hope everybody's having a good week in baseball. I played two games the other day, and not a single ball got hit to me in two games. I did sit most of the fielding in the first game. So that was part of it. I did get a hit and then, man, I just, my plate discipline is all over the place. So we'll see. Working on it. Trying to get that breathing down. Uh, But I had a great time. My throw is getting better, which is very positive because, man, just not being able to throw the ball has been my biggest problem. (laughs) Hitting I can fix, you know. Hitting is hard. At least hitting is hard, you know. But, um, like, one of my teammates hadn't gotten a hit. He was the Chris Davis of our league. And he was making solid contact, but he was just hitting it to somebody every time. So he finally got on base. Uh, Pretty stoked about that. Had a great time. Had a lot of fun. Um, Speaking of fun, I got to go on field for batting practice thanks to one Sean Doolittle of the Washington Nationals relief pitcher over there. That was really fun. Um, He's a really nice guy. We got to chat for a minute. We talked, you know, flannel, Star Wars, everything that's great and bad in baseball. So, um, yeah, that was really wonderful. And that was the first game that I've been, first men's baseball game that I've been to this season. So that was a lot of fun. So shout out to Sean. I really appreciate that. That was so much fun. I can't believe I got to do it. It's super cool. Man, the ball sounds really good from down there, <laughs> but it also sounds really good from the seats. He also gave gave me seats to the game, so that was pretty cool. Uh, on the loge level, got to be right there for Cody Bellinger, and it was a great view of Jock Peterson's uh, two home runs that game. So that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so let's see. Fantasy baseball, I don't know. I lost the dude that I was playing this week just has a crusher of a lineup and um i'm squeaking along though so we'll see playing against one of my good friends this week andrew overdahl of those who can't fame um yeah so we'll see how that goes i picked up hunter pence and then dropped him immediately which maybe was a bad idea i don't know 
I was really going for it because Chris Davis, the other Chris Davis of Oakland Athletics fame, wasn't really producing and then had a 21-game uh, home run drought, but then he hit two homers yesterday. So, hey, literally, what are you going to do? I don't know, man. I literally don't know. I dropped Louis Castillo. That was really dumb. Silly. Um, I also dropped Rafael Devers, but I had to. He wasn't doing anything and I wasn't winning anything and I just had to drop him and now he's producing like everybody thought he was going to and you know it is only May 14th but you got to make big big calls you got to make big calls to win the games that you want to win so I don't know whatever what are you gonna do (laughs) drop Raphael Devers and then go for it so uh and also I just happened to be at the same hotel that the Padres are apparently staying at today and as I walked in ran into Manny Machado and was like, hey, what's up, man? And I don't know if my brain wanted to say Manny or just man, but uh, I really did want to take a picture with him. But I also, you know, I don't know. I don't look, I'm not Manny Machado, so I'm not trying to make some sort of any amount of uh, inference here. Or it, I'm not trying to imply, I should say. Um, I try to be really good at using imply and infer properly. Not because I'm an elitist. Just because it's a principle of mine. <laughs> One time I tweeted that I like a, a, a turn-on, which was like, I was trying to be facetious here. That, that a turn-on was when somebody says try to as opposed to try and. And somebody got very mad at me. Like I was being judgmental. And I was like, look, you can do both. I just have a preference for one. So that's all. You know, it's kind of like people who are like, I prefer National League play as opposed to American League versus someone who says the National League is superior and the AL sucks. One of those is rude and one of those is just stating a preference. Anyway, my point was simply that I don't mind when people, for the most part, have asked me because it is a thing that's happened to me. Not constantly. It's just happened, though. So to speak to my experience, people have asked me when I've been in public just being a human being, not at work per se, if they could take a photo with me. And more often than not, they've been really kind. And I've sometimes said no, but I just feel weird doing it myself. So whenever somebody asks me, I'm very kind because I've been on the other end of it, which is running into Manny Machado at a hotel and being afraid to ask him if I could take his picture. So anyway, I didn't take a picture with him. He was walking his dog and at the hotel and I just didn't feel like bothering him. I don't know. I felt like it would be rude. Um, and I know we've talked a lot about Manny Machado on this website. This website? This is not a website. It's a podcast. Hard to differentiate sometimes. Um, I didn't like the way he played in the World Series. Who knows if they would would have made it to the World Series if it wasn't for him. So it's a complicated issue. He's playing for the Padres now. Happy for the guy. He's a really good baseball player. I didn't like when he almost broke Jesus Aguilar's foot because I thought that was kind of gross. But uh, I'm not somebody that's going to be like, I hate this dude forever. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's whatever. Um, Future Hall of Famer. For sure. He's gold glove. Come on, man. Um, Yeah, so those are 
that's my little roundup at the beginning. If you, well, there's no ads in this episode, so I'm just going to roll on through. But I do want to mention that I will be in Huntsville, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, and Nashville, Tennessee on the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd. You can get those tickets at riabutcher.com. Please come out to those shows. I want to fill them up. I want to show pl- uh, the rest of the world that um, people in the South want to see comedy. That isn't only like red state comedy, that there's all kinds of people everywhere. So come on out to those shows and spread the word, please. Um, I'm doing this without PR or anything. So it's all on my social media, which I'm also trying to not go on too much because I'm trying to keep myself sane, but then I'm not advertising my shows a ton. So help me out. I would appreciate that. Would be really stoked to see you. And I'm really excited to go to those places. So let's get into men's baseball from last week. So uh, bench coach Brett wants to know, is Hinjun Ryu a Cy Young candidate? I mean, absolutely, as long as he stays healthy. His 2019 stats so far, he's 5-1 and one with a 1.72 earned run average with a 22.5 strikeout to walk ratio. Ryu's preposterous 22 to five strikeout to walk ratio will set the single season record if it holds, beating the 25 rate attained by Candy Cummings back in 1875. Well, would you look at that? His last two starts have been masterful, a complete game shutout of Atlanta on 93 pitches, May 7th, and a one-hit shutout of the Nationals on May 12th. And he took that one-hit shutout that he took a no-hitter to the 8th. So I think he is absolutely a Cy Young candidate. Again, if he can stay healthy, that's why I didn't pick him up because he gets hurt so much. But I mean, look, I made a mistake, clearly. Ride the hot hand until it's not hot anymore, you know? But um, I've had problems with injuries before. So anyway, I'm not, I don't know that I'm playing this season the best I've ever played. I'm also trying not to play it so much. So, I mean, I'm happy for the guy. He throws well and yeah, like get run support while you can. You know what I mean? It'd be wonderful to see somebody else in that position. And it's been sad to see what's happened to DeGrom. I drafted him like second in my categories league and it has not paid off. <laughs> so, oh, well, what are you going to do? Uh, and are the Minnesota twins for real? The twins currently have the fourth best record in men's baseball, just a hair behind the Astros, Dodgers and Cubs. Well, I'm bummed about the Cubs, but Hey, Sorry. Uh, The franchise's best start since 2001. A couple key reasons for their early season success. Power hitting. They've produced impressive power numbers with the major's highest isolated power mark. Outfielder Eddie Rosario has 13 home runs on his own, and the lineup is deep and balanced thanks to improvements from holdovers like shortstop Jorge Polanco and additions from newcomers like designated hitter Nelson Cruz and second baseman Jonathan Scope, who recently hit the IL, I believe. They also have an improved strikeout rate. From 2011 through 2015, the Twins have ranked last in K-rate every year, then broke out of last place only to finish 28th, which is not last place, but very close to it, in 2016, and 29th the year after, which is second to last. But new management arrived ahead of the 2017 season, and a year later, thanks to a new emphasis on it, analytics and different coaching strategies the twins moved from the bottom to the middle of the pack this season they're above the league average in k rate for the first time in a decade and it's been a group effort four of the five twins pitchers who have thrown enough innings to qualify for the era leaderboard this year have at least an average strikeout rate for comparison from 2011 through 2017 just one twin starter total 
managed that feat over a single season. So look at that. The hitters stop striking out and the pitchers start pitching better. It's almost like all the parts of the machine affect the parts of the machine. (laughs) I would also say that, um, and not because I didn't do the mining of this and bench coach Brett did, and I appreciate his work. I would love to see the K rate versus left on base rate for this data because I think that your strikeout rate and your left on bases. I say this every time I talk to somebody in baseball and I'm uh, watching baseball, someone who's not um, familiar with it or someone who's just like learning it. And again, I'm not like some sabermetrics head person who's like constantly, I'm not. But to me, in the box score, in the at-bat app, they do include left on base for each player and then for the team as a whole. And that, to me, is the most important data point of every game. If you have six hits and you've left 19 on base or whatever, that's insane. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's probably not uh, something that's possible. But to me, I, I mean, I, I remember looking at a Dodger box score recently and they left 19 people on base. That is a big problem, you know? So if you reduce your K rate, your left on base rate is going to go down just by getting on base. And then by the fourth one, not leaving them on base, you know? So anyway, that that is powerful. And I think that the Twins have a real chance this year because um, Cleveland's not playing like they used to. I mean, they did just shut out the White Sox 9 to nothing. So maybe they're adjusting. But I do. I think, you know... The Twins are out ahead of Cleveland by a lot, and that's all you got to do. You just got to win the AL Central. I mean, that's not it. You got to keep going. But Cleveland has had a lock on the AL Central for, what, five years now? Six years? So this is their moment, and you got to keep it going. And they've switched everything up, and I think this is their chance. But there is always reason for concern, because this is baseball, so you should never not be concerned. The Twins rank first in the majors with a 141 OPS plus against sub 500 teams, but they're tied for 20th with a 90 OPS plus against teams with a neutral or winning record. That gap is the largest in the majors by a huge margin, and even though it's still a bit too early to be slicing slivers of batting splits, this detail indicates that Minnesota's offense might not be as formidable as its surface stats suggest. This feels a little bit like the Seattle Mariners. They had something like a 42-run differential or something like that, and then all of a sudden it went away in a week because they got shut out, shut out, shut out, shut out, and there it goes. So some of these stats don't really tell the full story or at least one that will be consistent throughout. So I think the Twins have a chance at the Central, but I'm not sure that they get it, you know, but this is their best year opportunity. I have no idea what their ceiling is this year, but I do think they've got a chance. And I think if they don't win the Central, they're not winning the wild card. So figure that one out amongst yourselves. Um, So some news broke over the evening. Julio Urias, a Los Angeles Dodger pitcher. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. 
Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, relief pitcher was arrested and booked on a misdemeanor domestic battery charge Monday night. Uh, TMZ Sports, I'm not a big fan of TMZ, but this is where it came out, reported the news, citing witnesses who said Urias pushed a woman to the ground during an argument in a parking lot at a shopping area. I believe it was the uh, a Beverly Hills uh, shopping center. The woman denied a physical altercation when speaking with police, but TMZ noted that video from the scene appeared to back up the witness accounts. Police also spoke with witnesses who said that they did witness uh, Urias pushing her to the ground. Uh, Urias 22 posted $20,000 bail on Tuesday morning after spending Monday night in jail locked up. The Dodgers later released a statement on Urias' arrest via Molly Knight of The Athletic. Quote, we learned about the alleged incident this morning and are in the process of gathering information. As a result, we have no comment at this time regarding the incident. However, every allegation of domestic violence must be taken seriously and addressed promptly, and we will cooperate fully with the authorities and MLB to ensure that that happens in this case. So, I mean, this is disheartening. At, at best, you know, um, not good to see this happening for sure. And I think that, you know, people people on Twitter are going to pick apart the fact that the woman in the altercation who I do believe was is is a is a romantic partner of some kind, uh, intimate partner. I'll use intimate as a word that's, you know, this is more than a friendship. I don't mean that in like a sexual way. Um they're going to pick apart the fact that she denied the physical altercation to the police to somehow there will be people that will do that. And what I would say about that aspect of this information is that this altercation happened and the police were there. I think everyone has to remember what it is like when you talk to the police. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, I am a white person, so I have the, the the unearned privilege of being able to say i do not enjoy speaking with the police you know um i don't know that i've ever had necessarily i I can tell you one pleasant i guess if that is even the word to use there but like decent interaction with police and that was for a traffic stop where i was clearly at fault and perhaps my white privilege uh, and my unearned white privilege got me out of it without a ticket. I did own up to the thing that I, I, I rolled through a stop sign and I immediately was like, oh man, well, that was a mistake. And, <laughs> and as soon as he got up to the window, I said, hello, sir, how, how's your day going today? He's like, I'm all right. Do you know why I pulled you over? I said, oh, absolutely. I rolled that stop sign back there. And he said, well, because of your honesty, I'm going to let you off with a ticket. And I don't know. Who knows? You know, who knows? There are many factors there, and I'm not denying that my white privilege absolutely set a tone, absolutely bought me a lot, for sure. Um, but I will say that my other interactions with police have not been good. So my whole point is that woman was probably 
had a lot of adrenaline going through her body and probably had a lot of fear of the whole situation. She's at a mall. It's a public space. People are watching. She's embarrassed. She feels shame. She probably feels a lot of things. So you have to take that into account when someone is denying that something happened. Perhaps in this, you know, elevated state, she doesn't want that to have been what happened. I don't know. I'm not her. I don't know. But I do have empathy for someone saying, no, this didn't happen when there's evidence to the contrary, you know? Um, and I guess I understand and in some ways appreciate the Dodgers releasing that statement. Um, I think you do have to take things kind of slow for the same reason that I just said. Um, I don't think that this guy, I, I, I don't, it, I'm not the judge and jury here. And I think that these things can be forgivable if someone seeks forgiveness in a way that makes sense. And I think my last episode should be evidence of that. I think the many episodes that I have unfortunately had to do on domestic violence in baseball, men's baseball specifically, should be evidence towards that. I think that this is something that should be taken seriously. I think that um, I said on Twitter that, you know, <clears throat> earnestly and honestly admitting fault and seeking guidance and and uh, and therapy and help are the first steps, you know, even if it is just something that like, man, I, this, I've never done this before, like whatever, whatever it is, you know, this is a conversation that keeps going and things, yeah, things aren't black and white, but domestic violence is domestic violence. And it doesn't, it's something that happens in, in a second and it can't be taken back, but you can admit when you've done something wrong <laughs> and when you see yourself on video and you go, man, I don't know who that was, but that is a person I'm not going to be anymore. And I'm going to do everything in my power to not do it. And I'm going to seek help to not do it again. And I really, this, this, this one. And then also, so I don't think I mentioned this last week in regards to Addison Russell, who, um, ironically is not the word to use here, but unfortunately, um, was on the field for mother's day on Sunday. So that, that, you know, to me is just a real, like, look, I have empathy for my Cubs fans, friends, but like, I really, I really don't have a lot of respect for that franchise. It's super hard for me to have respect for that franchise. And like, look, I'll have a lot of, uh, looking in the mirror to do when the, Do if the Dodgers don't do right by this and there's a really good chance that they don't, um, so it's tough, but what what I was going to say in regards to Addison Russell is um, it, there was a, an article that I read, and I'm sorry I didn't do the research to have it in front of me. Um, I, I, I wish that I did, but like I try not to have too much permanence in internet stuff these days, and then it comes to bite me when I'm doing a podcast and I'm <laughs> referencing things from the internet, but I'm sure you could track it down. Um, it was a Chicago Sun or Chicago Tribune piece about Addison Russell. It did not come down too kindly on his side. So I, I was appreciative of that, that a local paper was not like glossing it up. But they mentioned something about his demeanor in interviews being different. And they, they talked about, they, they someone actually asked him uh, what that different difference was. And he said, something to the effect of, you know, when I would be in interviews, I would get super nervous and super afraid and very shy. And it would feel like all this stuff was flooding into my head and I didn't know how to get it out. 
and to me that is domestic violence like that is the mental and emotional state that leads to domestic violence when someone doesn't know has thoughts has feelings has it, it and they do not know how to get them out um that is what leads to violence period but specifically domestic violence because you this this person is there you have these thoughts and feelings and you don't know how to express them and you use physicality to express it and i really think that men's sports in general but i also don't want to exclude women's sports because there have been instances of domestic violence uh by women's professional athletes so it's not something that only resides in the men's professional sports realm however there is a mechanism in boys and girls sports and i'm using a binary here because the sports world is very binaried um that i think leads to this sort of behavior or excuses around this behavior or men boys and men boys who grow up to be men who don't understand accountability and then the men around them don't understand the accountability because they were raised in the same water you know i feel like there is something to be said about sports and the i I mean girls are excluded from levels of sports on a daily basis doesn't mean that they're excluded from this kind of behavior because like i said again it has it does exist within women's professional sports and so i think the same kind of uh behavioral mentoring should exist but i think that boys get taught to be tough and have grit and and express you know these big angry emotions and use that for athleticism and use that on the field and then they're not taught how to express those same feelings in the world in the real world in the domestic world they're taught to express them on the field where it's okay and then just bottle them up when they're out of the field or or not be told to do anything with them so you know our our culture is like well just bottle it up don't don't do it don't do it don't do it instead of well here's what you can do here are the ways that you exist in the world without doing these things um and i think that not only should men's major league baseball have some sort of training that is consistent and throughout um their major league career and be a part of the clubhouse in a very real way because clearly the amount of mentoring that these men are doing for each other isn't doing it because there are guys falling through the cracks and committing these acts of violence so whatever is going because i i know i know that there are good men in these clubhouses because it's not every single day and it's not every single player so clearly there are men who are good leaders who who could be mentoring these guys more who could be stepping up and i beg of them to please do that because clearly there's not enough going on but i think that major league baseball needs to be having some sort of training on uh you know anger de-escalation and like literally emotional training because I just really think this whole the the hype that you know toxic masculinity has now become it's now you know snowballed into a term that people throw around either realistically or unrealistically and so now it's taken on a whole life of its own but that's kind of what i'm talking about you know and toxic masculinity applies to women too 
You know, it, it does. Toxic femininity applies to women too and to men. And again, I'm speaking in a binary because I'm poking my head into a very binary world and culture. So that's why I'm speaking that way. And my language isn't inclusive because this is a, a world wherein inclusivity is not functioning. And this all of this is to be said that inclusivity is a wedge that could break these things apart, that could break people apart and away from their own toxic masculinity and their own toxic femininity. And I say people because I'm, I mean everyone. I mean toxic genderedness. You know, these things are so gendered. We gender sports and we gender athleticism and we gender talent and ability and we gender rage on the field and we tell girls to don't be so competitive and don't be don't scream and don't do this we tell girls to not do that on the field and then they don't do it in their lives either and then they have no expression of any of this and then they have no defense against someone who is expressing these things against them so it's like it's all just a cycle that all fits so well together and you know what it is hard goddamn work to break the cycle because if you are somebody that is trying to break the cycle it is you and you alone and i don't mean that in like an exasperated fatalistic way it's like one person it one person has to do it and you can influence others they can you they can bear witness to you doing it and then they have to do it themselves because it is not one and done you do not we do not approach julio urias's case the proper way and guess what now it's all fixed no you got to keep doing it and he has to show up every day not doing it and you do it over and over and over again and that is why it is so easy these days to fall into this fatalistic trap that nothing is ever going to get better and like i don't want to be some white privileged person going well we've been through it before yeah, a lot of people have died and a lot of people will die. And I, I don't know what to do about it, but giving up and throwing my hands in the air and saying, well, nothing is ever going to be good again is not going to do it. You know, digging back in and looking on the ground and saying, what is good? You know, who who are the good ones? Kike Hernandez is somebody that I think plays the game in a way that I love, who seems to genuinely love the game and genuinely love his teammates. I look to him to be a good example in this time, and it may take a minute. He may need some time to say something, but I really hope that he he and Rich Hill, I just saw footage of Rich Hill in Dodger Stadium going out and talking to kids in the community about bullying. I really hope that he gets his head together and his heart together and says something that is meaningful for both the Dodger fan base, baseball at large, humanity at large, and for the uh, recovery of Julio Urias because I don't want to throw someone in the trash too quickly because if we never recover, we never recover. But there is possibility here. And I'm not, I don't, I really don't want to get into, well, it's not as bad as X because I don't want to, because that's not good because domestic violence is domestic violence, but there is always possibility with everyone. And that is what I've always said. Like these actions are garbage these situations are very garbage. They're very bad. But every person 
can recover from them on both sides. But if one side wants to sweep it under the rug and say, well, he's getting better without laying out what that actually means, then no one recovers. And that's not recovery. So I think I said on the episode with Parker Malloy a couple weeks ago, hope is a false thing. And I mean that. And I still believe that. I think hope in a... (laughs) in the like 2008 sense of hope where hope is this thing you cling to but i do believe in goodness and i do believe that there is always goodness and someone said to me someone who i respect with every fiber of my being and i look to become and be every day uh said to me that you have to open yourself to the possibility that there might be something good on the other side and i that is if that is what hope is supposed to be then that then then i do have hope but that is my idea of hope opening myself to the possibility that there might be something good on the other side and i think that that applies to i don't know joe madden to the cubs to uh the dodgers to uh dave 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 (laughs) roberts i forgot his last name to julio urias to the woman he uh pushed in the shopping center you while the thing itself is bad, you have to open yourself to the possibility that there could be something good on the other side. And that is not saying, oh, well, he's fine. And da, 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 da. that is actually saying like, oh, this could be a moment. It could be a turning point and it could be change. Hope and change. I can't believe that I got around to it, but God damn it, I did. I mean, I'm not, this isn't blind faith. It is actual belief because i know today right now something good is happening somewhere we just have machines that tell us that there's only bad but in every situation there is good every situation there is good perhaps it hasn't shown up yet but it's gonna show up somewhere so i have faith that there is something good in this i don't know what it is I I look to the Dodgers as an organization to go to go a good way with it, to not go the way that the Cubs have gone, to go a little bit above it, you know, and and take it slow and not try to cover this up and not try to push it under the rug. I really hope that they go the right way and make good statements and have a calm, clear attitude and they um encourage Julio Urias to make it to apologize and to take responsibility for his actions that are on video um and not make excuses and you know pledge to be better and be a better example for baseball fans for dodger fans for the children who might want to wear his jersey who already have his jersey who look up to him you know that that's what that is my hope i'm not holding my breath (laughs) um uh, you know, and um, it's really unfortunate. You know, I have a lot of empathy for the woman in this situation, and uh, it's understandable that she might say those kinds of things. You know, it's understandable. Um, yeah, so I hope the Dodgers go a good way with this. There's no one right way except to be better, you know, and that can take a lot of forms and can look a lot of different ways. So that's why I say it that way. Um, we do have. A single rosin bag question, and that is from C. Shoop. Uh, also, I didn't drink any root beer this week. I did have a Mexican Coke today, and it's good. 
But uh, you know what? I look at Coke and I'm always like, man, I want to drink that so bad. I don't miss Diet Coke the way that I used to um, because I really started drinking that pretty hardcore like every night and I had to get off of it and I haven't had it. I think I had one on a set like maybe last year, but I don't even know if I was really on a set last year. So it was a long time ago. I can't drink Diet Coke. I just can't drink it. So... I really try to just not drink pop in general because I have to drink full pop and it's not that good for you. But the root beer segment, root beer is like a little treat, you know, but um, today I had a little bit of a Mexican Coke and it was really good, but it also didn't spike me into like, oh, I should be drinking Coke again. Um, so like for all of you elitists who are like, hey, LaCroix is ah, da, 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 da. It's like, come on, man. It's keeping me from drinking like so much sugar every day. You got to chill out about it. I'm sorry. Like what it honestly, if you are a person who judges people for drinking LaCroix, like it is not like my identity is not my LaCroix or whatever. (laughs) So if there's something that you think is better, please let me know. I drink a Topo Chico every now and then, but I try to chill out on those because have you read the label? It's got a ton of sodium in it. And sodium is very bad for me. I have high blood pressure in my family. So I got to check it out. I got to not do that. Um, So, you know, please don't judge my LaCroix drinking because it's keeping me from like getting diabetes too. So C. Shoop asks, who do you think looks like they're having the most fun playing baseball? That question is very easy. I did a good job today with the podcast, which is I read through it before I started recording it. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but every episode before this i don't read it before i do it and i realized like you're really selling yourself short by doing that so um i did a good job and i read through it that this question to me there are many answers and i'd love to hear other people's answers but um that this one's easy francisco lindor he seems to be having the most fun playing baseball And the second question, who, maybe not the best actual player, is the most fun to watch? And I honestly think he's the answer to that. But I also, I mean, Cody Bellinger is a lot of fun to watch this year. He's having a lot of fun, it seems like. And I, I, he's so lanky and big. I like to watch him play. I've liked him for a bunch of years. And uh, it's great to see him having this season. So... He's hitting 407 again. So goodness gracious, you know, just like a monster season. Um, And yeah, Francisco Lindor is the answer to both of those questions. But I would also answer Cody Bellinger to the second one. Um, Because, I mean, Francisco Lindor doesn't have the nickname Mr. Smiles for nothing. He is happy to be there. He, when they went to the World Series in 2016, he had said he had a dream that he was playing shortstop for Cleveland in the World Series. And his dreams came true. And that dude is just stoked to be alive. And that's like something that's pretty awesome. You know, like set that is a that guy, Francisco Lindor, is what allows me to be able to set aside for just a moment the the racist name and logo of that team and say baseball is still baseball and we will figure it out because he just loves playing and he loves being there and he's grateful you know he's grateful and that is what i like about baseball and that that is what i hold on to and why that team will always be my team like yes those things are true i have talked about it ad nauseum i'm talking about it right now but that is what I hold on to, is the gratitude to be playing and or watching baseball. And that is what I love about that team, that I get to watch and or play baseball. The logo will get figured out. The name will get figured out. There will be people 
probably for the lifetime of this sport, at least in my lifetime, there will not... I don't think I will live to see a day where some dumbass dresses up in a headdress and does some dumb racist shit. And I don't say that to be fatalistic. I say that because time is really long and people last a long time. And we are just going to have to be good every day of our lives. You know, you just do the next right thing. And for me, the next right thing was to stop wearing that logo. And then the next right thing was to stop supporting the team. And now the next right thing is for me to go like, hey, I still like to watch this team, but I don't wear a bunch of their shit because I just don't. I did wear a t-shirt that said the Jake on it the other day because like I have good memories of the team. Sandy Alomar Jr. and Carlos Baerga and Omar Vizquel and Corey Snyder and like Lonnie Chisenhall for crying out loud my grandmother was dying and we talked about that team and like it's not the logo it's the team it's not the name on the front it's the name on the inside (laughs) you know it just is you know I I can have humility about it and I can be chill and I know I'm talking about it on a podcast but I'm trying to be a good example of a Cleveland fan like, I just, it just is what it is. It just is what it is. The logo isn't on the field anymore. That's great. Isn't that great? There's a lot more to do. But isn't it great that the logo isn't on the field anymore? You could turn on a Cleveland game and you don't have to see that goddamn logo. That goddamn logo that I see that reminds me of my childhood. It does. I can't undo that. I can't undo that. But I can't. what I can undo is my relationship to that. And I can say that my childhood and those memories are bigger than the logo. And when I see the logo, I can remember the good things about my memories without it hinging upon it. And then I can go, man, I love this game. <laughs> I love this game. I don't love that logo. I love this game. Anybody want to play baseball? Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show. We got uh, t-shirts. We got all kinds of stuff. You can buy that. Come see me in Alabama or in Tennessee. I'll also be in Cleveland uh, in July. And I'll be uh, in North Adams for the Se- uh, Solid Sound Festival in uh, at Mass Mocha on the 29th of June. And then I'll be at Laugh Boston the very next night uh, on the 30th. So please come out to that show. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then I'll be... Uh, July 7th, I'll be in Cleveland for All-Star Weekend, so that's going to be real exciting. Um, And then more dates to be added, so please come to those shows. I really can't wait to see you. Um, Yeah, and let's uh, keep doing what we're doing, and if you liked it, you liked it. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>